Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode motherfucking three of the Thanks for Trying podcast. I am Corin, aka The Last Skeptic. You fucking know that already. I'm excited. I got an amazing comedian on today's episode. And as I said on the previous couple episodes, I've been recording this season over the past nine or ten months. So this one was actually recorded a very long time ago. It might have been February, March, those kind of times. It's featuring amazing American comedian Alex Edelman. So big shout out to him for coming down and drinking with me and chatting shit. And this whole podcast is sponsored by not someone fucking big. It's sponsored by me and my brand new album. See you in the next life. It is me on the bars. It is me on the beats. It's me with the pain and the struggle of heartbreak. So make sure you go listen to that on whatever the fucking thing is that you stream music on. And do that right now. Because this beat you're listening to right now that you're nodding your head to and going, Oh, fucking hell, that shit's good. This is from the fucking album. So make sure you go listen to that elsewhere. Not right now, listen to the podcast now and then go listen to the album. Have a laugh, have a cry. That's how most of my mornings go. Enjoy the podcast. No expenses hey, spared. All right, okay. Also, you can get super jazz radio because uh, you're super close, so it's fine. I know you've had a, a, a crazy few weeks, but wait, no, no, no. Firing back, I remember. You haven't drunk in 2019. I haven't drunk in 2019. So you've done an inadvertently or on purpose done a dry January? Yeah, although here's the thing. I, I don't really... So I used to drink a lot, hey? Okay. And then I drank not at all. Mm. And then I drank a lot again. And now here's what I kind of do is um I don't use words like sobriety, but like yeah. I don't get drunk anymore. Not right. that much. You know, it's hard because drinking is such a part of our society and mm-hmm. culture and if you go I don't want one people are like, "Well, you're not drinking." Well, then I'm not drinking. They get offended. Yeah, they so get offended. offended because of their own issues with drinking. Well, I mean, it makes sense because it's how we communicate and mm. how we socialize. Yeah. All of us drink. Yeah. So I'm just pausing and take a step away. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I got him the cheapest. The other bells. thing, yeah, you got me bells. <laughs> Fuck, bells. man. Get me some nice stuff. <laughs> I like how you poured half of it, just the, the full thing straight away, pretty much. Well, I this mean, is great. I mean, considering I've got. It. Also, I'm not. I don't feel that bad. That's five pound forty nine. So no, that's no fine. That's fair. And there's some <laughs> organic vegan sour snakes here. I thought I would uh, for a out, straight chaser. Bring out the the big guns but, today. But you know what? I really um, here's the, the bigger problem is I like the taste of alcohol. Mm. And so sometimes, like I'm doing a little joke now about how someone offered me whiskey stones. I'm like, what's this? So like, you freeze it and you put it in the glass. So 
doesn't lose the taste. Mm. You know, that the ice melts. And I'm like, right. what do you think I'm here for? Yeah. You know? You think I'm here to taste all of the whiskey? And they're like, well, you're using the wrong glass. And I was like, listen, if you weren't around, I wouldn't be using any glass. Mm. I'd be drinking it straight out of the bottle. And if I spilled it on the floor, I'd be sucking it out of the fucking carpet. <laughs> like, I like it's to true. drink. People say that about me with vodka. Like, I love drinking yeah, vodka. I hate vodka. Vodka tastes like paint thinner. What are you... You know what? I, I love that about it. I like to be punished when I drink. You know what I mean? I like to feel like someone well, hates me. it is a punishment. It is a big punishment. And But people go, oh, you can't drink Glenn's vodka. That's not like, you know, that's it's not good. for. I don't give a fuck. I want to get drunk, man. I want to get smashed. I really don't give a shit how it tastes. I haven't been drunk in probably... This is what? the t- <laughs> sour snakes is the test of like giving a snake? dog uh, peanut butter. We sour snakes. I've been sitting out for a little while. <laughs> I got them yesterday to go to the cinema with. Yeah, bullshit. True story. Um, I like, uh, what was I about to say? Uh, drinking people, the oh, quality last of time I was drunk was yeah. I got really drunk on New Year's Eve. Okay. I- this may shock you, but same. I got drunk like twice in January. Really? And both. That's a that's not a long time, man. Where it's February, what? It's February eleventh or something. Yeah, like that. Like, you know, this is it's kind of crazy because I always drink all the time, and I thought, you know what? Well, this is a drinking podcast. You're a drinking podcast. I know, I know, and I'm I'm right back on it now. But I got drunk in Hanoi of all places because I was just DJing in Vietnam, of course. And it was never uh, name drop, man. De Niro, a country- De Niro told me never to name drop. So. <laughs> Well, man, so you were in Hanoi, yeah? I was in Hanoi, and uh, I was DJing in this in this club, which was in the middle of a graveyard. Um, and the, f- <laughs> the first night we had to climb through wet cement to get there. It was fucking intense. Oh and everyone was doing... Um, the, the nitrous balloons are completely legal there. So they sell them over the bar like drinks. And they, ser- they sell them family-sized. I don't know. I mean, they call them family-sized, bro. This is problematic. And they're fucking huge things. I saw six people collapse during my set just from doing these balloons. And then they, the, the fucking balloons You're flew kidding. off. Serious. Like, someone died the week before in a swimming pool at a party. Do you hear about that festival shit? Yeah, yeah. Man, dr- I, look, I don't want to be this guy. I know that some of your listeners are about to shut this off, but... Um, it's the power of the edit. Man, drugs are bad news. And like... Yeah. I've lost a couple of really good friends to drugs in the last, you know, four months. Mm. And it's really redefined how I see all drugs, even, you know, like marijuana, which is like, sorry, the sour snakes. Bad time to take a sour snake. (laughs) I can't quit the sour snakes. (laughs) Drugs, man. It's, it's, it's really horrible. Drugs are a really pernicious, you know, bad thing. And they're, they're, you know, look, and I get that there, some people are like, well, they're just a delight like everybody else. Yeah. But you know, they, they have, there's a death toll to it. And people are like, well, alcohol has a death toll. But yeah, I know. And there's cumulative health effects of alcohol. But And there's lots we don't really understand. Like, totally. I've, I've, I, the only drug I've ever had a problem with is Valium. Like I had a real, real issue with, with Valium. And, um, and I kind of took a good six months off of it. I'm just, you know, not, decided not to take it anymore. And in the past, you know, Christmas onwards, going for a breakup, I got back on Valium. Sure. And... Um, Having now had two or three weeks off again, I've had craziest illnesses, sickness, everything until I had to Google it and realize I'm going through withdrawal. I'm like having withdrawal Mm -hmm. from the amount of fucking opiates that I had in my system and I'm having twitches, all sorts. So the the power of that, and that's a prescribed fucking drug. This stuff is awful. 
Yeah. Do you, so you live in LA, right? I live in LA. So the, obviously weed culture is... Weed culture is huge. There's yeah. weed at every party. I yeah. walk by people on the street smoking weed and... You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to minimize it. It's not as bad as you know any of the. Mm. What do you, what do you call them? Class A, Schedule A drugs. Class A's. You know, it's and you don't need a super be a super villain to get your hands on it. Mm. Obviously, you just walk into a store. It's legal now. There's yeah, a place Med called MedMen, Med which Med is Men's like amazing. the Apple Store of, yeah. of wheat, and it is good because you know where it's all coming from. But mm. I was offered heroin at a party a little while ago, and I was like, "Are you kidding?" Like, yeah. And by the way, they, they use the word heroin. There was no. There was no code word for it. <laughs> we're like, do you want some ice or some or some? Was this in England or some uh, Honshu Hondo? Like they were just like, this is, this is it. No, this is in L.A. They need, oh, in L.A. In right, LA. See, in England, they'd go brown. You know what? Like, I, I feel like if I was in an opium den back in the day, and there was tons of writers there, all of the big famous writers, sure, like Oscar Wilde, Oscar and Wilde. Everyone was smoking a bit of brown. You know, coming up with the It'd classics. It'd be hard to say no. How could it? you say no to that? No, no. You'd, you'd have to say <laughs> you'd yes. Just, you'd have to say yes. And then you would write a classic. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe, maybe there are... I don't want to switch from like, drugs are bad, but maybe there are no <laughs> classics anymore because no one does brown. This <laughs> is true. No one does brown anymore. I, I don't know. I, I'm really anti... I've become super anti-drugs. Um, Become right. really, really um, in the and you know even the funny thing is six months ago is six months ago it's like oh man you know like decriminalize everything like mm. like no now I'm totally I'm no longer like this libertarian idealist that you know I thought I was like the government should regulate I'm like the government should babysit us for this thing because no one seems to know how bad it is like a, a lot a lot of them though is is to do with the um, fentanyl. Well, man, yeah, of course. Uh, the the non-regulated na- nature of a mm-hmm. lot of the shit. So people, you know, the coke that you get in this country, which is like 10% cocaine and it's mostly fucking awful shit, like bleach or powdered bleach. Or I, the, the, I tried cocaine one time about a year out of college because everybody else was sort of pressuring me into it and I hated it. This is not a fun... Uh, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I'm like, hey, can we not do this? Let's do another one because... <laughs> Because he would be like, how was the podcast? Well, he fucking railed against drugs before we even knew who he was. Yeah, that's it. it would was, you like to introduce <laughs> me to your audience? And, I don't, you know what? I decided since this is the first episode I've recorded of season three, I hadn't even, when you emailed me, I hadn't even had a plan to start season three yet. Oh, so man. I thought, no, this is great. So Because well, we try to make it work when you're doing no, season and, two. And this is, this is wonderful. This is only the second ever episode I've done with one person oh. after Taika. And so- Taika Waititi? Yeah. You had Taika fucking Waititi here? Yeah. Dude, he's the greatest Jew from the Southern Hemisphere who's ever lived. All of this, like, I don't even need to introduce you. It's fine. It's finished. Introduce You're already in. Me. No, it's fine. We don't even need to introduce you. Introduce me. <laughs> you haven't written a fucking introduction, have you? You have no I idea you know who what? I am. I don't even You've got no do, idea who uh, I am. I don't, I don't even... I didn't, like, I've written talking points. Oh my god! Look at this. No introduction. Them, uh, All right. I, I don't think you're allowed an introduction, Fine. Alex. Fine. You do whatever. Go ahead. Just, um, let's be. This is the thanks for trying podcast. It may or may not be episode one of season three. But welcome, Alex Edelman. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for trying podcast. I've got loads of these notes. I mean, I'm. I, I mean, who you're knows? Prepared. I, I think you're I like, prepared. I like. I like. I believe one of you. The notes is great because I just wrote it in capitals. Boston sports. I don't understand. Well, I'm huge into sports. <laughs> sports I don't understand. I, as we spoke about probably before, I, I lived in Boston briefly uh, in Brookline. That's where, that's where I'm from. Did Bro- we speak about Brookline. this? No. 
Oh my god, I feel like that would have been the first thing I said. Yeah, maybe. Where in Brookline? Uh, near a CVS. That's in between the CVS and the station. Oh my god. Yeah. This was 2005. Sure. I was living there. I was 16. So what else? Oh my god. What else do you remember about the area? Um, uh, I was going out with a girl at the time who did sleep research. (laughs) I had a girlfriend once. Um, She did sleep research at like a a hospital nearby there. So I remember walking along. I mean, I, I guess I must have walked fucking far there was an amazing place to get soup probably the best soup i've ever had in my life and there was an incredible jewish deli there that had really good pickles rubens probably i mean i know all of these places like yeah. this is my hometown these are these are my streets <laughs> these are my streets, these are my streets. the suburban the suburban streets we were in the same gangs i can't believe it yeah it was a huge yeah i was i played Ice hockey around your house. I rollerbladed by your house every day on my way to the library oh for God. a while. Yeah, I know this I know this area real well. Fuck. I know everything about it. And I even went to Roxbury. Uh, Ed OG, the rapper, took, uh, drove me around Roxbury. And uh, he showed me where like uh, Bobby Brown grew up and all that lot. Yeah, oh my yeah, God. And uh, it was sick. I met Slane. That, he was Slane? A, yeah. Slane, the rapper, the, yeah. white, the white rapper from Boston. That's it. And they took me to the club Middle East. Oh uh, my God, in Cambridge. Yeah. On top of a Cantab Lounge, one of the first places I ever performed. There you go. And, um, and I watched their show, him do a show there. It was sick. Do you know what I think about a lot with Bobby Brown? There's one Jay-Z lyric that makes me... I think about more than any other Jay-Z lyric. It's not from any of his songs from a freestyle he did on the radio. Mm. And the line is, man, it's tough being Bobby Brown. To be Bobby then, you have to be Bobby now. And the question is, is to have had and lost better than not having it all? Like, I think about it all the time. Like, it's tough being Bobby Brown. To be Bobby then, you got to be Bobby now. <laughs> you ha- and you've like, got to be Bobby now. I mean, you can't experience that's a great one without, line. You can't experience one without But isn't other. that a great line about how long life is, you know, like, and how difficult life can be and how you're yeah. never really done hustling i guess mm-hmm. like i think about that constantly yeah. stuff being bobby brown to be bobby then you have to be bobby now yeah. and it's like a real it also begs the question would you rather have success really early on in your life and then have it fizzle out you know in your 30s and be so- i used to be someone or kind of have a slow creep well, the, into being there super are different successful. kinds of success yeah. right so like you know Pick a field, just any field. Music is the easiest mm. one, right? So, like, some things are not built for longevity. Like, people mm. tend to have their best years in their tw- teens, 20s, and 30s, and after that, it gets exponentially harder. Like, so, think about the Backstreet Boys all the time in terms of there's, like, you know, they do these cruises. There are Backstreet Boys cruises. What? So, yeah. Oh, you didn't know this? No. Backstreet Boys do these cruises. I heard about it yesterday because... A friend of mine was I like, I like how you heard about it yesterday and you just went, well, you don't know about this. <laughs> like, oh, no. How did you not know about Well, this? I assumed everybody else knew about this great shit. No, but I want to go on one of these. Do you really? Do you want to watch I mean, a 45-year-old man on stage say to his friend, am I sexual? And all the friends go, yeah. And then he's like, am I original? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> like, what a horrible life where, like, they actually yeah, have to be doing a teenage thing until they're... Like, some yeah, things are designed yeah, yeah. to be age-specific. Like, mm. you know, um, there's a lot of stuff that is just for, you know, people of a certain age. Yeah. Like, they, like, like being in a boy band or being a musician is really... M- music is for young people, you know? Like, 
Like music really starts for young. There aren't many people yeah. who get to their sixties and seventies and find an audience or, or are found by a 60 and seven year old audience. It's mostly like kids and young energetic people who are willing to go out and buy things. Yeah. That, there's exceptions to the rule, future islands, Sharon Jones, people like that who sure. could kind of got, got there later on in life. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm just so bewildered by this idea of a backstreet boys cruise. Is it, do you have to stay on it? I think you have to stay on it. And I think for if like, you're a Backstreet Boy, you have to be on this boat for... Okay, so Backstreet Boys perform every night. Um, is there is there a, a cruise that you would go on for a 90s uh, pop band? Is there someone that you'd prefer to go on a cruise? Ben Folds 5. Okay. Yeah. I'm a huge Ben Folds 5 fan. I feel like I'd... I'd, I'd prefer to go on a collaborative journey with Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, maybe like, you know, now I met Christina Aguilera on New Year's Eve. Oh my God. Where and explain. She was, my friends were playing. I was doing a show in New Year's, uh, a New Year's Eve in Times Square, a place called Caroline's. Bastille, who are mates of mine from here. They saw, I saw on Instagram that I was doing it and they were like, Hey, we're playing New Year's Eve in Times Square also, but they were playing one of the TV specials. So they're playing for, you know, like 65 million people more than I am probably. But they said, yeah, why don't you come down and like, we'll all hang out. So we all hang out. Christine Aguilera is on the same special. Oh my God. And they finish their thing and it's pouring rain and we're all like, huddled in a tent and I sort of remove myself for a few uh, minutes and sort of walk around because they've given us this production passes. So half of Times Square is people crammed, crammed up against each other wearing nappies because they can't get out to the bathroom or they'll lose their place. Like it's mental. People who stand outside. I know, I know for this big global event, but the other half of Times Square is empty because they're production pass, you know, with like for trucks and crew. So I'm wearing a production pass. So I'm walking around while my friends are getting ready and Christina Aguilera is there with her entourage. And so like stood next to Christina Aguilera for a little bit in a production lane. And then I was like, Hi, Christina. Happy New Year. And she's like, hi, sweetie. Happy New Year. Like, she was very nice. I got a photo of her from, you know, like, as close to, like, I sort of snuck a photo. Yeah. Oh, okay. One of those ones. You didn't, there was no permission. Well, I didn't, I didn't, like, it was before, I was just stood there before. And for a minute, when I was standing there, I was like, this is a novelty. Yeah. And then after 30 seconds, I was like, oh, no, there's a person. Yeah, I can talk. There is a person. <laughs> And she was, Gesundheit, she was a very much a person. She was really cool. I really... She called you sweetie, man. I wouldn't, sweetie, be, able to, I I wouldn't be able to deal with that. I want to be like, yeah, I'm your sweetie. Yeah, so tell me the truth. Carson Daly or Fred Durst? You may not get that reference. Carson Daly, I feel like I only knew existed from rap songs. Yeah, what's the rap song you know him best Probably from? Probably Eminem what's, related. What's the lyric? Oh, it's got to be from Real Slim Shady. It's Real Slim Shady. The joke, it's a joke on the album. Carson Daly or, or Fred, Fred Durst. Durst. And ask line? which one she gave head to first. Yeah. <laughs> oh my That's God. so deep. It's not deep. But when I go back and listen to Eminem, man, I feel it's problematic. Eminem, that's a, yo, Eminem is wildly problematic. So he was, problematic. I can't deal with it. Any, I, I think Eminem is one of the few people who was making music that was that was more problematic than he actually is as a way to seem like ultra you know he yeah. wanted to be like very love that word yeah he wants to be really like uh like edgy and mean and, but like mm. i actually don't believe that i actually don't believe that he was that yeah you know that edgy he was just trying to sort of be it uh i would say that i was a fan in 
elementary school. I think after Marshall Mathers LP, before I ever considered his problematic nature, um, I was just so into the fucking production, which was perfect. Dre's beats, like, influenced well, well, well. everything. Also, I give him a lot of credit for putting Kathy Griffin in a video when not a lot of people were giving <laughs> Kathy. No, she was. She put her in a video. He thought she was funny, man. Yeah, yeah. Eminem is good taste in comedy, I'm guessing. Uh, you did fucking Conan, right? I did. I did do Conan. And hopefully by the time this comes out, I'll have done it again. <gasps> What's the pressure like going on and doing not, Conan? I mean, I say not, but you know, the funny thing is that the, the pressure of doing a thing like that is, is really difficult. And, and so, you know, like I've, I've started to see this girl and she's like, I mean, this isn't coming out for a minute. So like I've started to see this girl who knows where it's going, but she's like one of the most She's really, really, really special, cool, cool person. And um, really, like, erudite, really n- knows a lot. And so every, like, offhand comment is, is like, has the potential for, like, a really good conversation. She's mm. super. And she said to me, I was talking about being nervous uh, about a show I was doing in L.A. Last, uh, last week or two weeks ago. And she said, oh, I should bring you a beta blocker. And I said, what's a beta blocker? Have you heard of a beta blocker? I've heard of them, but I've never had them. So a beta blocker, I guess, you take it and it stops your stage fright. Mm. And it was so interesting because, um, you know, this person's smarter than me. So there's not much that I could like, you know, I can't, I, I, don't, I'm, I can't really explain anything to them. But like, I did tell her that you know, every time I've ever been nervous before I went on stage, it was one of the greatest mm. moments of my stage life, you yep. know? Yep. So it's weird, you know, you ask like how much pressure was there on Conan? Like a lot because, you know, you've picked these jokes and, you know, honestly, late night sets don't usually go great because they're hard and because the energy is so different from the, you know, greenhouse of comedy club that you've grown your jokes in. Mm. So now you're parading it out on TV and they haven't warmed up the audience really. And they've just watched, you know, an interview with like uh, some starlets and that starlet hasn't quite brought the jokes and you're stressing about it. And, mm. and my friend Gary Goldman does this great thing where he, um, right before he goes on stage, when he's doing late night, he looks at the guy, he's about to pull the curtain back and he says to him, as they announce his name, he goes, can you get me out of this? <laughs> Which is so funny. And he told me that. So I was about to go on stage and right before they said my name went, hey, can you get me out of this? And the guy didn't laugh. He just went, wait, what? And I was like, no, 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 it's my friend. It's a friend. Oh. And then they're like, Alex Edelman. I was like, I'll see you later. Goodbye. Like, it was so, uh, but yeah, so every single um, great moment that you have as a comic comes after those butterflies yeah. in your stomach because it makes those, you push harder. I don't know if it makes you push harder, but you you're more. I, I I hate a lot of the words I'm about to use, but you're more present. Right. You're really really there. You're super alive, yeah. and, and and you really feel what's happening to you. You really feel the weight of the moment, and you're only nervous because something great could happen. And you're like, am I standing on the precipice of something? And honestly, the answer is usually no, because you know comedy success in comedy is largely incremental. Hmm. So you know you slowly work work in a very dedicated way for a long time, and and then stuff happens yeah. but like uh the first time i met this girl i did a show uh that she saw me at right before i went on stage i thought to myself i'm as nervous as i've ever been but i also 
thought, and I never have this thought. I'm so prepared, though. You know, I'm so prepared for this moment. Yeah. And just being here is a lot of fun, and there are a lot of comedians on the show that I admired. And um, I and it's such a cliche. This is another cliche, but like I said, if I just go out there and have a really good time, yeah. then um, the audience will feel it. And if they don't feel it, then they're wrong. Mm. Also, there's there's yeah. no there's no other option at that point. You can either go, you can turn around and walk away and just not do Conan or not do this show. Totally, or you can just fucking get your shit together and go. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna do this for myself. Totally. And I'm I'm not. I'm gonna, if I have fear, then I'm just gonna do it scared. I'm just I'm, gonna do it scared. I'm gonna do this for myself. Is a really yeah. strong motivator. I'm gonna do this for myself. I'm gonna do this for, you know, all the people who are part of my life. Yeah. Um. And you just become Eminem in Eight Mile. Eminem in Eight Mile, baby. <laughs> Although he showed some real disrespect to his mom's cooking. True, like you going on stage. There's certain times where I get scared. Not, sure, not obviously. all of the time. Not all of the time. Um, like I've, I've just been com- this. I can say this because th- it will already be announced. But I've been confirmed to play, uh, do the podcast live at Glastonbury. Right? Wow! So I'm really fucking excited about that. But I can tell you that doing it live in that big fucking tent. With two guests, I don't even know who are going to be my guests right now. It's so fun playing Glastonbury, isn't it? I've never done it. I've never been. I've never performed. I said since I was 14 years old, I'm not going to this festival until I'm booked. And this year finally happened. So I'm so fucking happy about that. Um, but I know I'm going to be shitting it before I go out You're there. You're not going to be it's not, it, But I, whenever I get nervous to perform or do anything, that those nerves... Oh, I thought you said I know I'm going to be shitting it. No, oh, you're no, gonna no, be no shitting. I'm going to be fucking sick, but I will be shitting it. Um, yeah, <laughs> but not actually sick. Anyway. It's hard, man. It's hard, um, but like this is a stressful it, job. Dude. Yeah, it you is. Know. But it goes away the moment I get on stage. Every single time. These, no matter how fucking scared... Yeah, you, know. you get your first laugh, you settle in. Oh, my God. That's Especially as I'm not a comic. So when I do the podcast live and I have yeah. Romish Ranganathan or Doc Brown or whoever it is as my guest... Actual comics, and I go on, and I'm the they're only one. They're both on stage. shit. No, I'm kidding. They're awful. amazing. Um, you know, Doc's the reason I'm a comedian here. Doc is so brilliant, man. Doc is one of the first of all, he's one of the smartest, most empathetic people I know. Mm-hmm. I did my last semester of NYU here because his sister um, Zadie was my teacher at, and it was my professor at NYU, and she and, and this was a study abroad in Australia, and it fell through, and she went, "Hey, you should." Um, you should go to London if you're really interested in comedy. And she made it as an offhand remark, but I did. And then I hit her up and Zadie went, I'll put you in touch with my brother, Ben. He's a comedian. And I got in touch with Ben and Ben took me to a night at Tattersall Castle and I was hooked and I started doing shows here uh, and and started uh, just open mics because I was here as a student so I couldn't you know, perform or work. He does not get enough respect for being a great musician. He doesn't get enough respect for being a tremendous actor, and he really doesn't get enough respect for being a great comic. But he's he's all three of them. Yeah, big big fan. It's mad, and and also he is the one of the very few people um, that I've had. Obviously, had the the joy to perform and be his DJ uh, when he's rapping. Oh yeah. But, but also, what going with him to watch his stand up? He's the only person across all disciplines of uh, of yeah, perf- you can do music and stand up. He's yeah, great, but that doesn't get nervous before going on stage. Well, he kills it. I don't get nervous before going on stage no, most it, nights, but you know, no, you were kind of the same in the same way that you you did this thing where you were just chatting away and then go, oh yeah, oh shit, I better go on stage now. And he does the same shit where it's like we'll be talking about nineties rap. 
in detail and then they call him to stage and goes oh shit sorry i'll be right back do you know why i was you know i was not nervous going on there because i figured out on the train up what i was going to do which new joke so here's the thing you know what helps you with nerves people you know people do ask me about nerves a lot and i never give this advice and i always should um not that anyone ever asked me for advice but if you're worried about nerves, you know the cure for nerves always is preparedness. People yeah. go, oh, I'm really nervous. And I go, well, then prepare more. Yeah. The more you're prepared, so don't, don't just prepare. Fantasize about your moment up there. Fantasize about the moment where you're so prepared and you surprise both yourself and everybody else yeah. with a little bit of improv or a little bit of um, riffing or a little bit of ease with the subject that lets you really enjoy the moment. People aren't... I don't think people are as prepared as they should be for most things. And so I've always been over-prepared. I over-prepare for uh, the Edinburgh Festival. Mm -hmm. I over-prepare for everything, just a tiny bit. I know when to stop, too, so I can keep it fresh for myself, but just prepare a little more than is necessary. So, like, that show that you saw me at, was that was Comedy Central Festival in Southampton, right? So... That was a real, like there were comics on who were struggling yeah. right beforehand, but I knew what was going to get the crowd going. Yeah. I knew you what had enough of- material to 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 like draw from in case something wasn't working. I'm guessing. Well, yeah, totally. But what okay. I meant was, I went on there and. I could tell what the audience wanted because of what they were responding to from the yeah. other guests. And they wanted energy and they wanted yeah. a big, and, and that tent was half full because they were only opening the front section instead of opening the full section. And, um, and I was like, I'm going to absolutely play this, fe- this tent like it's bigger than it is. Yeah. And, I'm, and this energy will fill this tent yeah. and people will either have to come to my level or it'll seem ridiculous. It'll seem mm. ridiculous for this audience to not be energetic when yeah. I'm energetic. And if you try to suffuse an audience with your energy, they start to like they can't help themselves. They, yeah. they loosen up. And a good compare, by the way, can pull that out of them. Doc mm. really um, pulls, pulls it out of them. But they, you know, they were tough for some comics who were a little more... Uh, not every comic is sort of a high-energy faker like me. But I love... Um, You've, you filled that stage. It was so fun. Yeah. It's such a fun... I love playing a big stage. Because yeah. in my mind, I'm, I'm actually quite... Um, I'm an extroverted introvert. But right. I mean, like... Sometimes when I'm on a big stage and things are going well, I feel bigger than myself you know yeah, i feel yeah. like i should always be on a stage as big yeah. so like i do better on big stages honestly yeah, small stages same. i feel hemmed in a little but a big stage i'm like i could do anything right now i could drop to my like yeah i do a thing i have a joke that i love doing where i spit mm, like yeah. just genuinely spit <laughs> i talk about a in in different fast food employee and i go hi Welcome to Taco Bell. And then I just go, Puh. and the audience, the reaction of seeing a comedian just actually spit yeah, on yeah. stage into the lights. I always spit into the lights so the audience can see the actual yeah. spit. People, people gasp and they're grown. They're like, that's disgusting. And it's so much fun. I know I only want to do jokes like that where people, but you can only really get away with that on a big stage. Cause on a small stage, the spit is just there. They're just covered. It's you. just with you. Yeah, <laughs> What's the best way to kill someone for a heckle? You, what I do is I either point the swiftest the, way. What I do, this is going to seem crazy and orthodox. I ignore it and I keep moving on, mm. but I'll pause, to let the heckle sit and then I'll ignore it and I'll yeah. just keep moving on. Okay. As if it's like, if 
after you go up against a heckler, they usually hecklers are cowards. They're yeah. real pussies. I've never once seen a brave heckler. It doesn't yeah. really work that way. They're just hecklers are stupid. You well, know how like it's the same as trolls, really. I mean, they're slightly braver than trolls. I mean. I don't know. Like, also, I think hecklers are stupid. I think, you know, whenever anyone's like, what's the best heckle you've ever received? I'm like, I've never had a good heckle. Yeah. Like, it's impossible. It's like, what's, you know, what's the best thumb on a cat? Like, they don't have them. Yeah. Like, like may they have something that seems like one, but... Mm. But hecklers are dumb. Have you ever heckled at a comedy club? You're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Like it's the same people. It's like heckling make- at Hamlet. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's the same people to make requests when I'm DJing. Don't fucking make requests. Oh come on. That's no, different. I hate that. That, that, is, that is the same as a heckle. Is it the same as a heckle? Yeah, they're not happy with the th- the service that's being provided, or they think that the rest of the room would be happy. You've never taken a request. If the request's good, and well, the, that's or, different. Or they're paying me enough money to take requests. Sure. What's the what's the amount? <laughs> More than a hundred pounds. Yeah. Or if the gig itself is paying, if the gig itself is like a one of them brand parties or or a Christmas party, and it's paying really well, and you think, fuck sure, it, I will, I'll play whatever the fuck you want me to play. I sure. don't care. I have no morals when it comes to that. Yeah. When it's when you're just in a club and everyone's fucking happy and I'm killing it as always. And then one person comes up. I'm killing it as always. As always. But then that's just me being angry. And in the second half of the podcast, we can get into my anger. All right. So you do the, you do the fucking roast battle, right? Oh yeah, man. So this, I always, I was battle rappers, the same thing, because obviously like I've had, uh, uh from don't flop on the podcast before. And sure. lots of, uh, worked with a lot of amazing battle rappers, but do you, do you, how much do you prepare for that? I over-prepare for that. Okay. I over-prepare for everything, you know? Like it's, There's uh, no freestyle element when it comes no, to this. No, not really. There was okay. some, some riffing that I did in, in one of the podcasts. Uh, this guy, I was told by a friend what somebody else was going to do for one of the podcasts and uh, for one of the ra- ra- roast battles, and I thought that was in poor taste, so I didn't really prepare yeah. for that. I just let them have their thing, but... It's a lot of fun to do it. I if you have if you have no ego, roast battle is great. So you never get offended or upset. I've never once been offended or upset. No, I've never, I've never heard a single. What are you going to say about me? What's anyone going to say about me that yeah. you know? I I'm just Jew. a lot of the jokes are about me being Jewish. I don't right. care. I talk about being Jewish all the time. <laughs> There's never been an interview where it's not come up. Yeah. So. Because I feel like I, I would get really, uh, I don't know, maybe this is a, a rap thing. You know what I mean? Like, I get really yeah. upset when people, if, if someone's, I'll get angry and aggressive straight away. That's my, that's my default, default zone to be in. <laughs> What's your favorite line of yours that you've done? Oh, um, I had a line for, uh, roasting somebody who, um, was overweight and they said no jokes about her weight. And I was like, man, that's come on the only things I no, and so what I really wanted to say, and the network was like, "You may not say this." Was um, mm. actually here's the thing. She <laughs> so when I when I when I did a so they were like, "No jokes, by the way." I went fine. So listen to every podcast she had ever done, yeah, to get more you know information about you know. This is your preparedness again. It's, it's yeah, you got to prepare, man. Some like FBI level shit. And so I found out that, you know, I, I didn't realize that she had dated someone who was previously married, someone who I knew, another comic. So I made a joke about her breaking up their marriage. And so I said, um, uh, I said, she's a, uh, 
I said she's the. I said her nickname is Pudding, but it should be Hurricane Katrina because she's a home wrecker of the worst kind. And I got off stage, and we left. She won the battle. Yeah. And um, and so you know, I found out later on that that joke was not okay wow. with certain folks and that it was, and they said to me, what do you want to stay in the show? I said, I want that joke in the show because I didn't want just to, I didn't want it to be, it was a joke that's not about her physical appearance. And I didn't want jokes yeah. about her physical appearance on the show. Um, if I could help it. And they went, well, Dave demanded that that joke be cut. Cause apparently there was some real life stuff going on where like she, she hadn't broken up, you know, she hadn't done any, uh, anything. And that relation was totally above board, but there, you know, there were rumors or something like that, um, that, that she had. So, so that was something that, you know, because, you know, she had unfairly been, you know, portrayed as a homewrecker, that joke accidentally struck close to the bone. But the thing is, that's very British because in America, that is how, you would get over that. Like, yeah. someone would make a joke about it, you would laugh about it, and then they'd be like, it can't possibly be true, it was a joke on Roast Battle. You know, yeah. like, like all of our jokes are ways of talking about things that aren't really true. Yeah. But here, people are like, my issue with, ro- with rap battles and, and roast battling in the UK is that there's one element that they don't really do, which is that they distill somebody into a thing. They're like, this guy's the gay. This yeah. guy's the Jew. This guy's the smug. This guy's the sweet. This guy's the coward. This woman's the fat. This woman, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? So in the States, we tend to see people as shitty and multifaceted in their right, shittiness. Right. But people sort of here are like, this guy's the blank. This guy's the blank. This woman's the blank. This woman's the blank. This person is a bit androgynous. This person's someone's son. You know, like it's... Right. So So I think um, that's there are a bunch of differences between UK and US roast battling and rap battling, but I enjoy it across the board because like... It's also like, what is anyone going to say about you that A, you don't already know, or B, that is going to really hurt you? But you you must get offended in real life or upset in real life by some Mm, things. Rarely. I mean, yes. Because otherwise you are the perfect candidate to do Rose Battle. False piety. False piety, I guess, (laughs) makes me... Yeah. Makes me annoyed or um, the sort of Yas Queen catchphrase culture. Oh my people, God. It's, yeah, yeah that's really, it really it's really irritating. I'm offended by that because I think it's, it characterizes, you know, like, like, you know, what's her name? Ruth Bader Ginsburg is this big, she's a Supreme Court justice in the United States, but she is more of like an Urban Outfitters sweatshirt. Now people like put a photo of her being like RBG swag or like, yeah, Supreme court queen. And you're like, it's not, it's, this isn't, this isn't funny. And so like the, like feminine empowerment being used on sweatshirts to sell, you know, merchandise is disgusting. And like people sort of building their, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit, but like a real sexism, a real racism. Yeah. Um, that stuff offends me. People say we're Gary Goldman to quote him again. Like yeah. people say we're too sensitive now. Like we're just getting to a point where I'm comfortable. Mm. Like I'm pretty comfortable actually right now with how sensitive we are. I thought we we were too mean for a really long time. Really fucking mean. <laughs> I was I was I was I was getting like it was an acidic environment. The M M&M and M environment. I enjoyed yeah. aspects of it. Yeah. But I really hated it as a 
as a whole, I thought it was shitty. Yeah. I thought it was racist. I thought it was sexist. I, I thought I, it was I didn't want to hear about Bizarre, Bizarre's mates gang raping his cousin. It's, I don't know about that. And that's on Marshall Mavis LP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's uh, right. On Remember Me or whatever it is. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but wait, so... So if how much of you um, you started stand up at fifteen, right? Yeah. So, so I heard you, a lot of sh- offensive shit. Not just that, but you grew up, you know, on stage. Essentially, is there stuff that you said back then that you now that you've changed and changed your? Uh, I don't know. Times have changed. Is there anything? Absolutely. You kind of I changed a joke a year ago. I had a joke about someone who is who is overweight because the joke was good. But sometimes I do a joke and I think, well, the subject of the joke and the butt of the joke are two different things, and people find it hard to, but most people have really high IQs. Honestly, mm. most people, most people don't get offended by, I've, I've offended maybe three or four people in my entire career. People have come up to me and tell me a thing's not okay. Yeah. And I never tell them, Oh, you're wrong. I just go, thank you. Thank you for checking me. Yeah. Like some, I had a joke about, um, I have an uncle, one of my uncles who doesn't live in the States is, is not progressive. So I have a joke about coming out of the closet on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and I go, I've, I'm not gay. I just thought it would be hilarious because I have a, I have an uncle who doesn't like gay people and I've actually yeah. come out of the closet on Thanksgiving every Thanksgiving <laughs> for the last six years. And I love doing the joke because the joke is about people who, you know, who are intolerant and I like the joke and it sort of normalizes this. I, I like the joke. I like doing the joke and I've yeah. done it, you know, without thought of where I'm doing it for years. Like I would do it in front of any audience. Um, And no one has ever um, protested apart from, you know, one person in Australia came up to me and said, I don't like that joke. I said, why don't you like the joke? And they went, because it's offensive to gay people. I said, are you gay? And they said, no. And I said, okay. And they said, if I was gay, (laughs) if I was gay, would you stop doing the joke? And I was like, no. They're like, why not? I said, because I don't find it distasteful. Right. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop doing it. And I, I actually don't uh, feel the need to be. That is the most passive aggressive post show heckle ever. It's a about, really slow heckle. I do think that um, I had stuff when I started that was really shitty and yeah. bad. And I do think that I've learned, you know, that we are steeped in this culture that is sexist, racist, yeah. oppressive. You have to be really careful with your jokes. Yeah. But I wasn't careful when I started because I was steeped in this really offensive comedy club culture. I came up in yeah. Boston and New York comedy clubs. And those places are not woke places. Those yeah. places create bad comedians for the most part. Those places create um, bad environments for women for the most part. So like there are major exceptions. The comedy cellar in New York, I think is actually a wonderful place for, um, for free thinking um, uh, good comics, which is where I saw a lot of my comedy. There's also where, like, I, I find that the, the only times that I've recently been not offended as such, but disappointed by stand-up comedians is when what they're doing is reductive, reductive of something that they, they clearly don't know a lot about. Sure. About Muslims or about whatever it is. And it kind of just, it it disappoints me more than offends me. I've seen so many, obviously being around Tin and and Doc and like through many, many years, I've seen some of the best stand-ups in the world. And I'm very aware of incredible stand-ups that don't need to make such disappointing statements as that. Um, Yeah, it's hard. By the way, you know, two of my favorite comics growing up were Bill Cosby and Louis C.K. Right. And they are, (laughs) although, you know, I tweeted 
when the Louis C.K. one of the Louis C.K. things happened, I went, you know, this is really disappointing that he's done the thing, not that he's being called out for it. Yeah, you know, for every young comedian who grew up in Boston admiring Louis because he's mm-hmm. a Boston comic. And I said, I know this is the most boring take in the world. Will no one think of the comedians? But it's a bummer. And another comic that I admire um, uh, tweeted, "What the fuck are you on about, mate?" And I was like, "Oh no, I've been outwoked." <laughs> I thought I was the wokest. I thought I was as far to the woke as he could be, but this guy's gotten between me and the woke. I've been outflanked on the woke side. I've got even more empathy than everybody else for everyone afflicted by his material. You know, like it was, it was, uh, yeah. it was, it, nothing takes the edge off a comedian you admired being disgraced, like a comedian you currently admire telling you you're an idiot for tweeting about it. There's a strong case to be made for never tweeting. I have stopped tweeting as much. Oh man, I me too. After that, month. it ruined my day. Yeah, I was like, no more tweeting. That's it, finished. Um, so, all right, before we go to the little piss break, and then we come back, and I do my segments, which I'm really excited for. Um, I just want to see if there's anything else I need to talk to you about. Go ahead. Um, oh yeah, you did fucking you, best best motherfucking newcomer at Edinburgh. Yeah, it was great. It's 2014. It started my career. I love that festival, and I love what it's done for me. It's made me full time as a comic, and I've yeah. not looked back. You know, I'm financially stable because of comedy, because of the Edinburgh Fringe, and um, and, and are just you doing it again award. this year? No, no, so I you're, can't. You're I've got to, I've got to, I've got to write on this television show. Yeah, but and also, I like to take a year off. I like to take a year off and sort of incubate the next show. I, I think really hard about what my shows are going to be about, and yeah. I assemble really slowly. But I love the festival, and I love the comedians that play it, and I love the young um, energy that it brings. The Edinburgh Festival is the world's largest arts festival. It's not even close, and so I feel inspired being there. And my peers who play there, like it's amazing. It just oh. it's I love. I also love being there. I do feel for the comics that get either priced out by it. Oh yeah, or, absolutely. But the free fringe is a great resource now for yeah. those folks. But even so, it's expensive. There's no so not expensive way. To, People are paying it off like te- five, ten years later. I spoke to an Avalon act who who is you know one of the most successful Edinburgh comics, and they said it's really hard to um, it's really hard to estimate how big an impact Edinburgh's had on my career. Mm. But you know, both of us also know also know folks who just weren't ready for it or yeah. who don't. That's the other thing, man. Like, mm. prepare. People don't prepare for these festivals. You yeah. go up, you have a bad festival. Some people aren't emotionally equipped for it. Also, yeah. some it's a huge... Sometimes you just don't hit. Yeah. I Like, I can... I was part of a play there in 2012. That was my first experience of the festival. The play didn't hit. Yeah. It just didn't work. People didn't like it. No one came. Yeah. It is how it is. You just fucking just got to get on with it. Like, and you need to have failures in a career. You have to. Well, that one was that one. That one should be worth two or three. <laughs> but you know, everyone. Yeah, everyone <laughs> fails. And even that, by the way, some of my best memories, some of my some of the first things I learned about preparation because that play was underprepared. Right. So you learn valuable lessons from failures. I hate that shit, but yeah. that's true. And like, it's also part of growing, being able to take positive criticism. Totally, because I was not when it's your cre- when it's your creative personal thing. You don't want anyone to tell you how to do it. Absolutely, because you know the right way to do it. Because you wrote it. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so I was reading all my reviews right after the festival, and yeah. there's one guy, and I realized this guy's giving me 
the show this year, the show that I just did, I'm really proud of. It was my first really good show, I think. And it was the best reviewed Edinburgh show since they started tracking Edinburgh reviews in yeah. 2011 or something like that. It's a really good show. And um, I'm hoping that I'll be touring it sometime around when this comes out. And uh, I love doing it every day. And this guy gave me three stars, and he gave my show before that three stars, and he gave my show before that three stars. Only ever yeah. gave me three stars. And that, and I said to Adam, I was bitching about it to Adam. He's like, some people just don't like you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's like, some people, sometimes yeah. you're just like not for everybody. It's just how it works. You so, can't please everybody. So you may as well just do it to hard. yourself. I try. I try to please everyone. Sometimes yeah. I, sometimes that's a, one of my worst habits is I'll try to please everyone. But I do also try to please myself. I try to yeah. really impress, or I try to please people that aren't there. Mm. I'll try to please an old professor like Zadie Smith. I sometimes think to myself, would Zadie Smith or Darren Strauss or Nathan England or any of the professors that I've had at NYU who I admire, those are all great writers if you don't know any of those names, would those people be proud of this joke yeah. or would they think it was cheap? No. It's a good, a good roundup for the end oh, of sure, part sure. one. Um, for the piss break, we'll be right back. I'm not. I'm not mad at that. I want some alone time with this burger. I want some alone time with this burger. Um, yeah, that's embarrassing. So usually, what happens in the second half, we don't have to do it because uh, you've got a gig. But no, instead, no. we'll do a sip. Is a, we usually do a shot. Um, I'll do a sip with you. We'll do a sip. I've got this. I'll just down the rest of this. Oh this my is god! A, this is a shot. You, you know, you do how you, you feel comfortable. Look, we've got a cheers first. You uncouth man. Cheers. I'm an American man. Just down the hunt. All right. Well, it's tradition, so it's good. Oh my god! All right. So here's here's Some what shots, shots. Here's what happens. Hey, okay. would you mind playing "Shots" by LMFAO? <laughs> uh, only the best song ever written. Wake up fast. Be the first girl to make me throw that cash. So we, the second half is uh, it, it, I do the segments. Okay, let's do segments. The, the first segment it changes every single time. Uh, this time it's called A Wistful Ponderance of Irksome Quibbles to Contemplate for Future Generations. So the first one is, it's recurring. If you could eat one creature from a film or TV show, what would it be and how would you cook it? Hmm. Cook, kill and cook one, eat one creature from a television show. Yeah, film or TV show. Mine is the long motherfucking dog from Neverending Story. Mine is the Lorax. The Lorax. <laughs> that shrill motherfucker. You know the Loraxes? Yeah, yeah, The yeah. Lorax is this Dr. environmental Seuss. advocate. <laughs> so you'd be doing out of spite uh, and anger more than uh, more than hunger. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, cool. I'd be doing it out of spite and anger, and I bet that dude tastes great. Uh, because how- no one who cares that much about the trees is, you know... Well, he's, he's got to be vegan, so it means... Oh, he's got to be yeah, a vegan. Super so, lean, like, yeah, you know... I would have him with some... with um. Uh, I want the cat served in his hat. <laughs> I want to humiliate these Dr. Seuss characters. I want these characters to feel exactly how I feel. Yeah, right. And when, how, how is that? When I stumbled through these books as a dyslexic child, Dr. Seuss is not for dyslexic children. It was like, green egg Sam I am is Sam I am. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. it was awful. It was excruciating. They, he, someone needs to pay, and I think it should be the Lorax. The Lorax. Would he you, speaks for the trees. Would you beat him up first? No. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I'd kill him like Ortolan. You know Ortolan? No, what's that? Oh, it's the most forbidden of all of the prepared. And you've never heard of Ortolan? No. So I found out about this 
yesterday. No, I'm Wait, <laughs> no, 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 I've known about this for Is years. Is Ordelon on I, the Backstreet Boys? I've known about this for years. Ordelon's illegal in France, but okay. it's the most decadent dish in the world. It's this bird that's drowned in cognac, and Ooh. then you eat it whole, right. with bones and all, with your head under a napkin, because it's such an indulgence that apparently... It's a crime against God how indulgent it is. It's so wait, so the, good. Bo- the bones are e- you can easily you can well it's a tiny bird so you have to eat it bones and all and it's like apparently the most delicious fucking thing you've ever had. People oh absolutely love it. It's like the symbol of of uh, so I would drown the Lorax in cognac, yeah, and then I would saute him in it for you know in just days, and then I would serve the Lorax yeah. over a bed of greens prepared from the trees, which, which he was, you know, spent his life advocating for. Yeah. And then, no, I mean, I don't know. Is this yeah. the first creature that popped in my mind? It was great. That, uh, no, I love it. That was a great answer. Yeah. That or any character ever played by Brian Blessed. I'd love to get right. a bit of Blessed in me. Yeah. See, see that sounded how, uh, wrong. <laughs> see how girthy the, the lungs are. <laughs> Go get good, good girth in that lung. Yes. Um, I just, I just love this Ordelan, Ortolan, Ortolan. I can't it was say Francois Mitterrand's today. last meal. Ortolan, I want to fuck. I want to eat this thing. Um, okay, so this <laughs> got a couple, a uh, couple, couple recurring questions. Okay, Doki. But they all these ones kind of change. Can you truly love someone who chews with their mouth open? Yes. Wow. I hope so. I really hope so. Oh boy! I really <laughs> yes. hope so. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I love how you assume that that's not me. <laughs> no, yeah, you can love. You can love anyone as long as they're funny. True. Uh, all right. Fair enough. Can you truly love someone whose favorite band of all time is Crazy Town? What Crazy Town? Oh my god! Are they like the Vengaboos? <sighs> yeah, I mean, one of the, the previous Vangaboos ones was coming. was Vengaboos being someone's favorite band. Really. Right? And What's the worst band that you would put up with someone having your favorite fa- as your favorite band? It would have to be like Paramore. What? That's the worst? Yeah, you know, because actually Paramore have a couple of bangers, so I wouldn't mind. That's um, the absolute worst for you. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I could put up with someone who goes... To, I, I had an ex who loved Coldplay. Okay, well, here's the That's thing. problematic. Mm. Okay, listen. Because it says so, a lot about your personality, the band you like. My favorite artist, rapper, I've got two favorite artists of all time, Sinatra and Tupac. Yeah. Those are my two. I mean, those are great. I don't like Sinatra. I can't stand Sinatra because I have trouble with artists who don't sing their own songs. Right. No matter what generation, I think it precludes them from, it's like steroids. You don't get to be in the Hall of Fame because like, Sinatra released these press releases about the Beatles when they first started coming to the States about how they were, you know, no good. Right. But Sinatra, like, he didn't write his own music. Like, he's like, I did it my way. And I'm like, you didn't even write this song. <laughs> but, like, the thing is, I was telling you about that girl that I'm saying. Um, it's, it's a big problem because she is, like, compared to her, my taste is really shit. Right. Like, not just a little bit shit. Like, she is a hi-fi with a vinyl collection that is, like, robust. And she plays music for me. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, because I have a playlist on Spotify of, like, all the songs that I like. And, like, 
Hmm. Dude, there's a Coldplay song on there. Oh no. Yeah. And not even in and there's it's an early Coldplay song, but not that early. I still love Fix You. Oh dude, it's, it's Fix You. Oh, that's but, fine. Yeah. You get a pass. You get a pass. Do I get a pass? You. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, I like white people deserve music too. Like some anthemic <laughs> Like I like stuff that's anthemic. Like we have this long conversation. White about, like, people deserve some music. White too. people deserve music too. White people are almost human beings, man. Like they so, deserve so nearly. So but nearly. this girl, like she's into Brel. She's into like Surrette. Like the you know Surrette was Surrette. Oh uh, Sarita. Oh man, I'm mispronouncing her name. Stevie Wonder. She told me this. You're not gonna believe this. Stevie Wonder would call into Motown Records. Right. And he liked the receptionist's voice so much yeah. that he made an album with her. Oh, my God. The album's classic. And then get this, he married her. Oh. Sarita Ray was married to her from 1970 and 1972. He was married to this woman whose voice he heard on the phone. It's a great... Wow. But, but she's like, she knows all this shit. She knows all of it. I'm da- it's a nightmare. Is, like, she, is she older than you? Younger than no! you? No! Oh, my God. Then there's no excuse. She's f- like three and a half years younger than me. It is oh, like... Wow. When people talk about like, oh, I'm dating this younger woman, I can't keep up. I always thought they were talking like physically, and yeah. now I realize that it may be musically because like shit. But she knows she knows every movie. She knows she's she's like I'm not that well read. I was like, well, how about this book then? She's like, oh no, you you had yeah, I've read that one. Like she knows pretty much everything. Is she from England? Mm-mm. She's. Uh, American. She's an American girl. I feel like Americans read more than English people. No, I feel like we, we I, just get away with our accents. Let me tell you something. Good. You are 100% wrong. Really? Yeah. Most Americans don't read anything besides the CVS receipts that they <laughs> that they bought. The huge fucking Yeah, Yeah, the huge Bibles. CVS receipts. Nikki Glazer is a really funny comedian, does a thing where every time they give her a receipt, she puts it around her like a sash and takes a photo and, <laughs> and tweets it, Miss CVS. It's very funny. You guys don't even have CVSs here, we do you? We do not, but I, I love CVS. The CVIs. CVIs. The CVIs. CVS in Brookline, where nearby where I used to live. Where I used to live. And where you used to live. Um, I walked up to once and I walked in, felt something in my shirt, and I was like, oh, what, what is this? Shook my shirt and an entire cockroach fell out and ran out. No! That came no! to me. <laughs> no! That- no! Why did you tell me that story? Sorry. I mean, that was 2005. I'm so grossed out. 2005. I'm so grossed out. My favorite color is that color amount of vomit. My favorite color is muddy orangey, pinky green. (laughs) So, yeah, sorry. uh, Brookline infested with. No. Um, Okay, fine. What's the biggest small amount of money that you can that someone can borrow that is awkward to ask for back? Um, what do you mean awkward tests, right? You can if you know me, you can borrow up to you know six hundred pounds without what? You can borrow six hundred pounds. That's so much money. It's a lot of money, but if I love you and trust you, I'll let you six hundred pounds. Yeah, that's what I mean. Some I had a friend, really good friend, who's so fucked up if I said if I said his name. I had a friend, really good friend, um, Hal. Uh, <laughs> Don't Hal know. needed money for rent for a month, so I gave Hal money rent for the month. That's and, nice. And uh, and Hal's really talented, and they they're a performer, so they opened for me. And I'm like, let's call it even for the rent. And that's great, though. That's a service yeah. provided. Yeah, yeah, but you that's know, like, fine. They're, like, well, I'm talking. Cannot, what's the what's the small like the 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 biggest small amount of money? I think six hundred pounds. The biggest small amount. Yeah. that you're okay to ask for back. So so if oh if yeah you, oh I hear you if oh you, I hear you hundred percent. If if you if I lent you. Two pounds twenty, 
Yeah. And then the next day I was like, Hey man, um, do you, uh, do you have that, uh, do you have that two pounds 20? Like where, where's the cutoff? Where's the cutoff for you that you, you just oh, think, I'm just yeah. going oh, no, to let that you. slide. I'm not, I don't need to pay that. You know, um, I don't need to 40, get for, uh, 30 quid. 30 quid. Or no, maybe you are, not bo- 30, you are doing well, not 30 man. Quid. But Hey, you know, also like, dude, I've been, I've been in spot where it's where it, like dignity is worth a lot man like people yeah. people lose you lose dignity pretty cheaply and so some if someone needs by the way don't get me wrong i'll hold it against you for the rest of your life yeah i'll never forget but you know there's this i remember people that voted five of 10 years ago comic named rick shapiro i'm okay saying his name probably shouldn't but i've had a drink um give me my money rick shapiro give me my money rick rick came up to me once 2011 and he went, "Hey man, can I borrow a? Can I borrow a? Can I borrow a fifty dollars?" Remember, I had this moment where I thought, if I give Rick Shapiro fifty dollars, I never have to see him again, mm. ever. Like I never have to see him again. Yeah. So I gave Rick Shapiro fifty dollars, and I've never seen him again. Wow, that's a bargain. Yeah, for fifty dollars, I got rid of Rick Shapiro. But you know, it's a shame. He was a great comedian once upon a time, I'm sure. But you know, I was happy to get rid of him. That is, you know, that's great. But that's weird because that's, you know, that's the amount of, like, like the, the, the shame is you have to, asking someone for 30 quid is not an insignificant amount of money. But, you know, yesterday I was out to lunch with someone and I realized I needed to get to a gig. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God, I, I, I actually had to go. I was like, oh, God, I gotta go. I'll leave you. Yeah. I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll, I'll Venmo you or I'll PayPal you. And they're like, no, don't worry about it. Just go. That was, you know, like 20 quids worth of stuff that I got away with. And I was like, I'm not being cheap. I promise. You know, I'd feel uncomfortable. I would, I would sit and stew on that for for a hot second. Unless someone went, you know what, my gift. Then I'd be like, oh, okay. No, you. If you were me, yeah, I would feel. I was like, I gotta go. They're like, dude, just go, just go. Don't worry about it. But like, we're all pals. They realize they knew I had to go. Also, they right. were like, this is running late. You better go. Yeah, I guess I'm really cheap because I've got a good friend of mine. Uh, at one point, she was on her way to DJ, and I, I was coming with her to one of her gigs. I had a night off. We were in Nando's. And uh, it's a new dance, no tango. <laughs> Everywhere I go, I need a Nando's. That's not, I know you're, that's you're not. You're ingratiated in British that's culture. not how that, uh, no, but that it, song goes. But I, every time I, like I see remix. Nando's, I think, <laughs> skip da. It's not scary. It's Lethal it's Bizzle. Oh, it's Lethal Bizzle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does he say? What does he? Oh, Fester. Fester Skank. Fester, it's yeah, Fester yeah, Skank. Fester. Sorry, that's right. It is Lethal Bizzle. Skepta should have done a remix. Do you know what's so funny? My friend Josh <laughs> Weller, who's a really funny um, musician, who's just started to do comedy, says, I'm mixed race, which means I'm I'm uh, I'm too white to sing along with a, with with um, with any of Skepta's lyrics, but I'm too black to be one of his fans. <laughs> And that just makes me laugh so hard. Wow. It's such a fucking good joke. But but yeah, I'm sorry. I was, I was thinking of Lethal Bizzle, but Lethal Oh, does he he does say Nando's, right? He does two two chicken yeah, yeah, Nando's. Nando's. Um so all right, so we were we were in Nando's. Sorry. She got a chicken burger. Everywhere I go and need a Nando's. <laughs> yeah. I can't do it. This is your remit. Two two chicken Nando's. Two, anyway, two chicken Nando's. Yeah. Um she was clearly had a lot on her mind about the the radio show or whatever she was about to do. Yeah, sure. She didn't finish her burger. Mm-hmm. I went out, took a phone call, whatever. And she come out and join me. I look through the window, see her and pretty much entire unfinished burger on that plate. This was nearly eight months ago. Sure. I have not let her forget about the fact that she left an unfinished burger at Nando's. What? 
I can't get over it. I can't. I can't get over it. Two, two, chicken. Here's what. Here's what I. I don't can't understand. Get over it. Not taking the nanas with you. You, you know what I mean, you, baby. I. But you know what? Cut her some slack, man. That's you hard. Know, you know what? You Come on, man. Cut her some slack. I'm never gonna forgive her for that. Mm. So th- this is a new one that I just ooh, thought ooh, of today. Chicken. I wanted to yeah, ask sweet. you. Um, is it? By the way, is it centaurs or centaurs? How do you say it? You mean the half horse, half man? Yeah. Centaurs. Centaurs. No, no, <laughs> it's centaurs. <laughs> Centaurs. centaurs, right? So my question is, why do centaurs have arms? Because surely they should just be the head of a man or a woman on a horse body. It doesn't no, make they get sense. Six. It's part of the deal. When but you're a centaur, you they get have six. six. They should have. First of all, they, they should just be a weird human head stuck on a horse. No, that's not how it works. What, the splicing, like who fucked who? Your torso, your waist up from waist up. You're a dude, and waist down, you're a horse. But then there's another waist because as the horse you've got a second no, waist. No, dude, you're right. it doesn't work that way. <laughs> That's waist that. up, horse. Fine. So for for the <laughs> weight, for your waist is a horse's neck. Okay, right. You got to balance it out, otherwise you're just gonna end up. You're never gonna be able to lean your head forward. Right. Imagine that head on a horse neck. It's ridiculous. You're talking crazy talk, and this is unrealistic. The horse... It really upsets me. I was looking at them and going, bro, why are you allowed six arms? out of your fucking mind. Mind. (laughs) You're out of your minge. Okay, and the final one of this segment, where's the most dangerous place you've ever taken a shit? This is actually a really easy question for me to answer. Go on. Whoa. (laughs) And a difficult difficult drink to drink. drink. (laughs) I took a shit in a -a portaloo. Um, on a Manhattan street corner. Oh, wow. In the middle of Hurricane Sandy. Oh, shit. See, it was already dangerous where I thought you'd gone on maybe to a, I was imagining a building site using, you know, uh, like a Manhattan. Uh, nope. <laughs> this was during a hurricane. Oh, yeah. You could you could have faced toppledge. I had to go. I had to go. Hmm. It was either that or look for an open department store. And oh, yeah. there was no open department store. I have never... I've told stories on Ricky Gervais's podcast about pooping myself. So I shan't repeat myself. Fine. But yeah, it was bad, baby. Oh, my God. Uh, was there loo roll? Toilet roll? Was there toilet paper? <laughs> I had a takeaway bag with me. I didn't use the bag. I used oh, the napkin. I used yeah. the napkin in the bag. Okay, fine. But oh my goodness. Yeah. Let we, me we tell you, there. there was, when I, I was ready for anything, I just needed a receptacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But holy shit, it was on 23rd Street or somewhere. Sorry. It was, it was, it was on the Western part of the city, but they, it was they should put a plaque Street. up. They should put a plaque up. Yeah. A blue, a blue, a blue plaque. A blue the way they do. plaque. Um, <laughs> there's, a blue, there's a blue plaque down my road for where the first bomb dropped in uh, in World War Two or whatever. Really? On on London because this was the East End that all got fucked up in the Blitz. That's right. Because it was that. the Jewish area, it was the immigrant area, it was like the. Of course, they didn't fuck with Buckingham Palace. Um, that would have been nice. So, second segment, the most famous segment. This is what the one that everyone enjoys. This is called Under the Patio. This is where the people. Oh man, the people that have pissed me off this week. You're going to enjoy this one. Uh, I, I suggest the scenarios that these people have pissed me off in, and I tell you what they do, and you tell me the type of capital punishment that they deserve for their crimes. Okay? Some people are really lenient. Some people. I'm but- pretty lenient. I'm anti death penalty, except for the fucking Lorax, but you know, I'm down to here. Yeah, let's do it. It's entirely fictional. People, 
that say Fryer. What's a Fryer? Fryer, with reference to, of course, Friday. We're really happy it's the weekend. Oh, man. I don't know. Those people should be taken for a long helicopter ride. And that then, sounds really pleasant so and, far. Uh, no. And then you toss them out, and as they're falling, <laughs> you take aim. Great. There you go. So it's also a good game for, for oh, you. Oh, it is. You just yell pull when you push them out of the helicopter. Perfect. Yeah. People that don't put away the trays at the airport when you're going through security. Oh, man. You know what they should do is they should seat those people on the wing. <laughs> seat them on the I'm forever d- troubled by that episode of The Simpsons where there's the clown on the wing. Did you ever see that yeah, one? The, yeah. Uh, for every flight I take, I'm like, don't look at the wing. Yeah. I'm perpetually You seat them on it. the wing and you take off and you just let nature run its course. <laughs> <laughs> These are all uh, these are all air, aeroplane or flight. Yeah, flight, I guess. Well, you whatever. you said one that was airline themed after it already given an airline death penalty. <laughs> yeah, Go ahead. Um, people that replied to a group WhatsApp or an unbcc'd email. <laughs> Boy, what? you think you're really funny today, huh? I think I'm really funny every day. Uh, but this just pisses me off, man. Because what type of person would repl- you see all of the email addresses? You're not a grandma. You understand you how emails need work. To first of all, what you do is you bury them up to their necks. You're right. Next, at the base of a dam. Mm, okay. And then you wait for the first rainfall. Yeah. And that's that's how you get them. <laughs> I like speed and freedies because your answers are going to get increasingly more complicated. Com- complicated, and I'm I'm really I'm, yeah. really, I'm really into that. Um, <laughs> I'm picking I'm picking the right one. This is this is uh, people who say I don't know how relevant this is to to uh, your American experience, but people who say, well, it's a uh, Using taxpayers' money to literally argue against anything. Um, you make them part of a road work. <laughs> All right, yeah, and no, I agree with that, man. Yeah, there you go. Is that sweet? I got a couple. I got a couple uh, regular listeners mess- messaged in some. Oh, sweet! You know, this is from James Drinkle. People that sit next to you when the rest of the bus or train is completely empty. Firing squad. You know, Alex, but, Alex is going through them. Everyone is really, today. everyone is really bunched. Everyone in the firing squad is really bunched closely together. Mm. And you tell the person that if the firing squad misses, that they get to walk away. But then you bunch everybody up and you put them like a foot away. And you, yeah. and like the guy gets to be like, but you, you're allowed to stand over there. And they're like, well, we want to stand over here. We have a right to do so. So that's how you, you know what I mean. I like the answers when people really teach them a lesson before. You know yeah, what I mean. There's well, really really a little bit of dramatic, a uh, little bit of. Uh, terminal dramatic irony, you know? Yeah, it's like saw. You gotta learn. You gotta learn your lesson. Yeah, it's like saw. It's just like saw. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna do one. We're gonna do one more. Unless there's people that have pissed you off recently, um, you know, you can add your own to the under the patio. You know, you know, you know. people who tell you they have a passion for fresh ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like them to be slowly fed into a wood chipper. But who's saying this? Who is saying You've never heard that? 
No, because what they they don't people like... cooking on cooking shows go. They I have a real passion for fresh ingredients, and me I... alone at home on my couch eating a takeaway, I just go, ugh. I hate most people on cooking shows. Mm-hmm. Like, re- like They're really, bad people. I have a passion for for them being dead. Um, it really. They, they With just, a full disclaimer, we're not actually no, wanting no, this anybody. Is, this, is this, is totally, this is all fictional. Because I'm is, always like, this, the, whenever anyone's like, these people should die, I'm always like, ah, no, 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 no one should die except for the people we've mentioned. Okay, was, um, what's the next? What's the next one? <laughs> What's the last one? The here? last, the last one. Okay. Um, <laughs> people that call you a nickname when they don't know you well, aka people that invent a new unsanctioned nickname. I didn't know this. So there's a, in the Torah, there's the seventy-letter name of God that human beings can't hear, and okay. if they do, they die. Someone needs to find out those words and whisper them softly using a megaphone yep. into uh, the ear of these people, and they'll immediately have their chest ripped open because their heart can't handle the true nature of God. So that's how that. Wow. Is. Yeah. That that's. Can we just? Have you had an experience of an unsanctioned nickname? Oh, totally. Ali, Lexi, A E, Eddie. <laughs> Edelberger, even people that call me Edelman, like I'm like there's some fucking football coach. My my name is Alex. You call me Alex, and if you know me really well, maybe we come people who call me Al. Mm. I don't like it. At, like or some some people call me Edelweiss. My friend Alfie calls me Edelweiss. It's fine if Alfie does it, but you know, like. But that's you know that's over time. He's nurtured oh, that name. Totally, I don't you know? like I don't like an unsanctioned nickname. I especially don't like just. My last name said to me, like, I'm a conscript in an army I don't want to be in. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. All right. Well, listen, before we wrap this up, there's a third super secret segment that if it doesn't work, I'm just going to edit the whole thing out. Yes. And I'm not going to do this segment again. But sent in by Eric Pearson, the writer of Thor Ragnarok. He's You're shitting new, me. He's got a new segment that he's given me. No, I don't believe that. True story called Hard Decisions, which is essentially, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty much Would You Rather. Okay. So I'm going to pick one. He's given me a list. Uh, ooh, all right. Eric Pearson. Big shout out to Eric Pearson. Number, Eric, I love you. Have your burps smell like farts or have your orgasms give you sudden diarrhea? That's a good one to end the show on. Really nice family one. Mate, have your burps smell like farts. Yeah. Or have your orgasms give you sudden diarrhea? It's okay. a really important question, man. Eric Pearson with the, the hard de- hard decisions. Well, here's the thing. I burp a few times a day. Mm. I orgasm a few times a year. Standard. Standard I think stuff, the yeah. burps smelling like... Well, what kind of farts are we talking? Is it farts where like a little bit of stuff could come out? Because part of the fart is the danger of walking that... Mm, that mm, mm. that tight, and rope. it all depends on what you eat as well. So if you've been, if you you're having a clean diet, if you're, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, what would you pick for this? I think the burps that smell like farts. I would rather my burps smell like farts because I could always proactively have. I could do a chewing gum all the time. I could try and uh, I could get drops maybe to to scent my stomach like the poo drops. Yeah, no, that's how I feel um, too. I think I, d- I could not risk. It would smell like a d- taxi cab though, right? Like shit covered up by an air freshener. Yes, yeah, I can't risk diarrheaing diarrheaing on another woman. You know, 
on another woman. Yeah, I can't risk that, you know. I it, don't know, man. I think it's I, ruined I think, so many relationships. All, I'd rather. Um, is, is there an option C? But if not, I think that I gotta go. <laughs> What's the option C? Just to have none of the problems. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather have C. No, none no, of the problems, nothing. please. Everything's uh, great. Sure. No, I think definitely. <laughs> I think it's a no-brainer. I think I can't love anyone who is goes orgasm diarrhea. Although, if a woman said that, that would be quite a savage burn. I mean, like, well, I never have one, so I'd be happy to. This but is, also, wait, also, women also have don't orgasms? Oh my god, buddy, we should have this conversation uh, away from <laughs> Maybe, the air. Yeah, not not on mic. All right, anything else? No, this is that's I it. Mean, not, can yeah. I plug some stuff? You can plug whatever you want. Don't. My name's Alex Edelman. I like to plug the podcast. Um, uh, thanks for trying. <laughs> for the last I mean, uh, You know, it's a great podcast. Also, I have a DVD for sale. What? Yeah, it's uh, it's the complete series of Breaking Bad, but I have it for sale. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I'm gonna it's sell. Really... I'm gonna sell. It's a box set. No, um, my name is Alex Edelman, and please follow me on social media because I should have an album out by the time this comes out, or about to be out. And uh, an album, music album, an album of comedy. I was gonna album. say no, no, and but you know, also be writing on a Netflix show that i can't say the name of yet but uh but it will it's it's exciting. gonna be exciting yeah please um please follow you've me got your own netflix you. fucking special yeah i've got an hour on netflix uk called live from the bbc so if you just search my name alex edelman that's easy enough to check out but um they're probably sick of me though after hearing me for two straight hours on this but big thank you so much Thanks for, for having coming me, on the podcast all right cheers Bye. so as you can hear that was recorded in february 2019 with the incredible Alex Edelman, amazing comedian. I was definitely not my usual self, and as you can tell, it was because I was in the beginning stages of writing a very sad breakup album. So I'm as sorry if it's not as lols filled as usual. Even though it's you know it's still quite a high percentage of lols in there. And if you're still listening to the end and you haven't skipped past this bit and gone straight to the next episode, then you know what to do. Go on to iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Go fucking hit a five star. Go fuck up that motherfucker that gave me a little two star review. I hate that guy or girl or whoever. However they identify, I hate them. And I, I just want to know what I did wrong. If, you, if you're listening now and you, you voted, you voted whatever, you rated it two stars, what did I do wrong? Come and see me, buy a cup of coffee. Let's talk about this. Let's, you know, let's work it out. And um, maybe, I'll, maybe, we'll hug, maybe we'll hug it out. You know, who knows? Um, whatever happens, I'm sorry. So, but anyway, to you, have a great night, and to everyone else listening, you also have a great night or day. I love you all. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 